Meet your new cable company, Amazon. And can Taylor Swift save Apple Music? This is episode 33 of Media Unplugged, the final Media Unplugged for 2015, Tom. Yay! The podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I am Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, you got to clear your throat before you do one of these <laughs> things. Again. <laughs> I'm Tom Asaker. How's that? <laughs> so much better. Tom, meet your new cable company. It's called Amazon. Who would have thunk it? This is uh, from a couple of sources, the first of which is Recode. And the article is, Amazon starts building its own bundle by selling Showtime stars and more with Amazon Prime. It's called the Streaming Partners Program, Tom. Starting today, this is the date of uh, the piece, Amazon will give its Amazon Prime customers who already get access to Amazon's homegrown streaming service the ability to buy other subscription video services like Showtime, Stars, A&E, AMC. Hulu, of course, is doing the same thing. Conspicuously absent are some services that we're familiar with, like, say, HBO Now, Netflix, MLB, TV, uh, and so on, things which do have associations with Amazon but are not available on the platform. It's pretty in- interesting, isn't it? Oh, it is. As a matter of fact, Amazon, to me, is one of the of today's most interesting brands in general because everybody's mm-hmm. screaming at brands to focus and be true to who you are, you know, to your why. And Amazon is saying, we're uh, ambiguous. And instead of why, they're saying, why the hell not? I mean, in this case, they're saying, why not add even more content to our Prime streaming video service with a partner program? Right. I think that's true. I think what Amazon's really uh, discovering over time is that it's in the convenience business. It's in the business of helping you get whatever the heck you want in the most easy way possible. And um, I, I think the, this is another step in, in terms of delivering that. And at a time when people are unplugging from their cable operator, why not uh, add another uh, uh, shingle, essentially, to Amazon's portfolio? Because here I've already got a relationship with Amazon. I'm already hooked into Prime. Why not? If I don't have Showtime, I want Showtime. And by the way, it's at a discount over what you can get it from some other ways. Here's what the piece says. People briefed on Amazon's plans say the company intends to package some of the services it is selling individually into different bundles. Sounds like cable TV to me. Mm-hmm. Presumably at a discount from the normal per-channel price. So that could be interesting. So is the notion that it's using Prime as a way to sell other third-party services a new idea for Amazon. Yeah. Look, they did it with books. I mean, if people would just go back and look at what they did. They did it with books. They built the audience. Then they went out to publishers and authors and said, hey... Let us help you with merchandising, with shipping, with billing, eventually with printing of physical books with their CreateSpace company. Mm-hmm. And I don't think other businesses truly appreciate how much people crave, as you say, convenience and simplicity. But in everything, in the platform, the billing, findability, I mean, you name it, people are just, they just crave it. If they make it so easy, that's, I think, another piece from Video News, N-U-Z-E, they really put their finger on this when they say, here's the nub of it. The fly in the ointment for all these streaming video on-demand aspirants, all these individual channels, you know, I mean, look at the Roku. I've got a Roku at home. Do you have like an Apple TV or Roku? No, I've got a Roku in one room that I don't use. I've got Amazon Prime and and, and their, their player in the other room. Well, you know that from the Roku, um, there's a million, cha- a million channels on there, right? Yep. 
Um, and so many of them, you have to say, well, why do I want to subscribe to the Warner Archive? There's actually a channel called Warner Archive where you can get some, you know, uh, obscure old Warner <laughs> movies for like $8 a month. Now, why in the world would I subscribe to that? Um, and there's a million of those that expect their own individual subscription. Who's going to build a portfolio of one-offs like that? Um, one consumer at a time. The fly in the ointment, this article says, for all these SVOD aspirants, is that it is extremely unlikely that consumers will be interested in subscribing to more than a handful of services. There are numerous reasons for this, including cost, lack of awareness, confusion, complexity, paradox of choice, and so on. There is a reason the pay TV multi-channel bundle has worked so well for so long. Consumers with busy lives and finite budgets crave simplicity. Pay one price to one provider. Get access to a lot of great content and just sit back and enjoy. And you know what, Tom? That sentence is so overlooked by so many people who are really good at putting out news releases, really good at getting attention uh, on you know uh, tech blogs. Uh, but that one sentence to me is the key sentence. Well, it's because they're look. People are inside of their bottle. They don't. They don't see the, what the consumer sees. The label that they see, and it, even with Amazon, I mean, in order for them to, and I love, I love you know the title of your piece there, right? The new cable company. In order yeah. for them to radically alter the industry, I mean, a few things are going to have to happen. First, they're going to need to figure out how to offer these new video subscription services. In my opinion, as part of its prime offering, yes. maybe maybe they'll call it. Prime Plus video offering, you know? So instead of whatever it is, 100 bucks, when you get free shipping and you get Prime and you get this, maybe it's $140 and you get mm -hmm. Prime Plus video. And because by the way, Go we ahead. would pay it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know why? Because people can, and I do it all the time, will more easily rationalize a one-time yearly payment than trying to decide each time we flip on the television and want to see a new series or show, do I want to keep adding monthly subscription costs to my to, to you know to this thing that I'm already paying for? Like you said, eight bucks a month. I can get Netflix for eight bucks a month. That's right. Right. I mean, I think these guys are consistently over you know they're they're uh, uh, overestimating their ability to turn what is a fancy news release into an ongoing business proposition because they're not taking into account the fundamental realities of consumers. I've got a situation right now, we're doing uh, about to do some landscaping at our property, and I've got two choices. One is to work with the guy who's too expensive that we've worked with in the past. The other is to work with the guy who's gonna be less expensive that we've never worked with before. I'm gonna go with the more expensive guy. Yeah, because in your mind, the guy you've never worked with before could turn out to be much more expensive. It could turn out to be much more expensive, and it's more complicated, it's more risky, it involves having another guy at the house and getting another bid, and this is the essence of what all these individual channels don't understand when they're jockeying for attention, that wouldn't it be easier to give up a piece of the action and wrap myself in the Amazon's cozy, warm embrace and let me be part of the Amazon bundle, even if it's at a premium to prime? Absolutely. You are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Tom, can Taylor Swift save Apple Music? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, you know, but it's an interesting experiment, isn't it? Well, let's talk about it because let's begin with some numbers, first of all. Apple Music at last report has 6.5 million subscribers. That is viewed by many people as a really strong success because number one player Spotify has 20 million after, you know, X number of years in the business. 
I think people are crazy. Okay, first of all, Apple comes to the comes to the party with 800 million iTunes users. <laughs> In this short period of time, this short period of time where they've maximized attention to the platform, right? right? Where they'll never be newer than they are when they're new. They'll never be more exciting and more newsworthy than, than they are when they're exciting and newsworthy. <laughs> they have managed to achieve, to, to, to snare less than 1% of their iTunes users, 6.5 million subscribers. Yeah. So people say, wow, you know, if this continues at this pace, Spotify's gonna have to look over its shoulder. It's not gonna continue at this pace. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of being new. Yeah. So that leads to this article from the Wall Street Journal. Apple's exclusive Taylor Swift concert film tests video as a lure for streaming services. And here's the, here's the story. At Apple's store starting Monday, computer uh, and iPad screens will display a trailer for pop star Taylor Swift's coming concert film available exclusively to Apple Music. The 1989 World Tour Live was shot at a stadium show in Sydney on November 28th. will go up on the $10 a month streaming service December 20th. The campaign will test the effectiveness of using exclusive video material to attract users and subscribers, a strategy other music services are betting on as well. Tom, will this be successful? Let me tell you how I see this, and, and, and I'm going to tell you where I think they screwed up. So this is our year-end holiday special episode of Media <laughs> yes. Unplugged. And I believe that what Apple is doing is they see this Taylor Swift offering as a perfect holiday gift for the millions of Swifties, right? Her primarily teenage girl fans. Uh -huh. That's why they have these Swift-themed Apple Music gift cards. Now, if they were really smart, there goes the voice again. <laughs> what would they would have done is, is sold concert gift cards which mm -hmm. automatically activated a three, six, or 12-month subscription to the music service, mm -hmm. which included the concert mm -hmm. and an entry into some type of Taylor Swift competition or something like that. Do you see what I'm saying? So in other yeah, words, I do. So I, in other I've words, got a niece. I've got a niece. She loves, she loves Taylor Swift. I'm not going to buy her a gift card. But if mm -hmm. I could buy her a concert card and say, hey, I just bought you the Taylor Swift concert, for 30 bucks, which gave her automatically three months of Apple Music, <laughs> that, that would have locked people in. Here's what I love about that idea. It essentially acknowledges the one thing that Apple does not want to acknowledge, which is their best bet of selling Apple Music is by selling something else and giving Apple Music away for free. Absolutely. <laughs> No, it's true. That's what you're arguing. I, I am arguing that. It's the same thing as when you wander through the, you know, you're wandering through the airport and, they, and somebody sticks a toothpick with a piece of chicken on it in front of you. <laughs> you know, and then you say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. But in this case, Apple Music is the toothpick. No. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, I think that's a great idea. And I, 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 I think that they're not ready to acknowledge that that's where the service stands as a path to get something you're much more desirable, like say, um, no, it's not that the Taylor Swift concert, concert film is the lure for the streaming service, is that the streaming service is what you get because what you really want is to be part of the Taylor Swift experience. So I we're going to sell the Taylor Swift I experience think that would have been much more powerful. Yeah, but I think it's telling. It tells a lot about the uh, the, the, the subscription um, um, music streaming what, that it's ecosystem. Not, that it's not unique? 
Well, that it's not unique and that it's also not as big as people want, it to, want to imagine, especially the labels, by the way. It's not as big as they want to imagine. The reality to me is this, that most music fans have never been and never will be subscribers to a streaming service. Most music fans feel that what they hear on the radio is good enough because their favorite song pops up every few hours anyway. Most music fans feel that if they love a song that much, they can go to iTunes and buy that song outright for a couple dollars, and they're done. They've achieved the solution to their problem. They've achieved the manifestation of their desire. They don't need to subscribe to this bottomless pit because their tastes don't run to bottomless pits. There is a finite audience, in other words, that is available for music subscription, and Spotify already has 20 million of them. Now Apple has another 6.5 million of them. Exactly how big do you think this audience is? This audience is not as big as they think. I agree. The other thing that I think that is telling about this is this absolutely gives a lie to the notion that Taylor Swift and Apple Music had a dust-up once upon a time. (laughs) Oh, of course. You remember you and I did a whole show. We said that that whole thing was a stunt. We did a whole show on that being a stunt, and we were one of the very few, by the way, who made that claim. And I think the fact that things are this cozy at this point (laughs) so soon after is proof uh, that that was all a big part of a big PR boondoggle, which may very well have had this as one of the uh, one of the elements in the campaign. Right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see what else she does with them. Yeah. The the last thing I wanted that I want to make the point I want to make about this is that. You know, there's this assumption that the audience for live concerts and the audience for subscription music are somehow the same. They are not the same. I mean, your point, uh, your suggestion actually is a good one, which is to say, recognize that they're not the same. Recognize that live concert people don't want the streaming service and just give it to them for nothing. Mm -hmm. This notion that somehow teasing them with one thing will introduce them to the other and that they need a better tease is, I think, a myth. And that's going to prove to be... uh, uh, a problem for Apple Music because they are not. Good luck getting to ten million. Well, when we they just get to gave, ten million, we, we, they'll we, top we, off. We just made our year-end prediction, didn't we? <laughs> there it is. Ten million Apple Music by this time next year. That's the prediction. <laughs> All right, Tom. It's time for rants and raves. Okay, can I go first? Uh, always. All right, because I'm doing this so I can take it away from you because I'm sure Excellent. you're going to say something okay. about about something that has to do with this with this subject matter. So I'm not sure if this is a rant or a rave. I'm going to let you decide, all right? But it's for the Alamo Drafthouse movie theater chain. Uh You know these people are running a Star Wars viewing endurance contest in Austin? I've heard that, yes. Okay, so they're giving you like a pee break between each title. (laughs) And and it started with five hardcore fans, and they're being challenged to watch a nonstop marathon of the seven-part film saga and stay awake. For as long as they can. Mm -hmm. So here's what the Alamo CEO and founder, Tim League, says. He says, at Alamo Drafthouse, we're big fans of Star Wars and also of testing the boundaries of human endurance. (laughs) (laughs) And what better way to anoint the ultimate superfan than inviting them to watch these remarkable films on the big screen until they drop, literally. (laughs) So the contest began yesterday at 4 Mm a.m., started with episode one, The Phantom Menace, and continued through episode six. Mm-hmm. And then the contestants were among the first to see The Force Awakens last night when the mm-hmm. screening embargo lifted. Now, I'm looking at this. Now, they've watched every episode once, and they're on their, I think, like 13th viewing 
of The Force Awakens, <laughs> which is going to play over and over and over uh -huh. as many times as it takes for only one of these nuts, uh, contestants, they're left <laughs> sitting. I don't know. They're going to probably be there drooling and babbling lines from the movie. Now, if you're interested, <laughs> Mark, I'm telling you, you can go onto Periscope, put in username Draft House, and you can watch these people. I don't know what. what really? Yeah. Although I didn't know really, that. Yeah, I'm not really sure what kind of action you're going to be watching. So, look, the winner, they're going to get a seven-year movie pass to Alamo Theaters nationwide. They're going to get some Star Wars memorabilia, and they're going to have a theater seat named in their honor, complete mm -hmm. with a naming ceremony. And, Mark, we should probably discuss this. The profits be with Disney. Because analysts are saying, <laughs> analysts right now are saying that the new movie could eventually bring in between $1.5 to $2 billion, $2 billion over the course mm -hmm. of its global run. And here's mm -hmm. something even more epic for you. Did you know that the movie revenues, all the films so far, have earned somewhere in the neighborhood of $4.5 billion? Wow. But $32 billion worth of Star Wars merchandise has been yep. sold since 1977. And you know uh, that uh, originally all the rights to that merchandise were deemed as non-valuable and <laughs> left in the control of one George Lucas. There you go. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> By the way, um, you know, the reason why theaters have to be so creative with regard to the things they're doing around Star Wars is because you may have heard this, that the normal uh, split between theaters and studios is around 50% or so. Uh, for tickets. In this case, Disney's driving a hard bargain, and it's more like 60%. So the theaters have less take from the experience from the get-go, so they got to be more creative. Now, Alamo Drafthouse is, of course, notoriously creative. <laughs> but this is another, I think, um, uh, illustration of just how important it is to think broadly about what you're trying to do. You're not just selling tickets. You're creating experiences. Absolutely. And you're leveraging the experiences of the brand of the experiential brands that you're lucky enough to carry on your big screen, and that's true across all brands. And the last thing I have to say, having seen the movie, have you seen it yet, Tom? No. Be careful. Don't be giving away. anything. I'm not giving away anything. <laughs> I will only tell you this: that Harrison Ford, at this stage in his life, waves a blaster like an old man waves a golf club. That's all <laughs> I will say. Was the movie good though? Did you enjoy yes. it? Yes. Right. Yes, it was all very right. good. Yeah, go see it. All right, I have a couple. I have a, um, a rant and a rave this week. And my rant is a little complicated. I want to begin with this one. There was a piece in Neiman Lab uh, that uh, called, Could Facebook Be the Next Big Platform for Podcasts? And I was so irritated about this because of the title alone. Um, here's how it opens. Would you log on to your Facebook account and listen to a podcast? In some ways, it can make a lot of sense. People are spending tons of time on Facebook anyway. So why not listen to some audio while you're there? Well, personally, my answer would be because that's not why I'm there, okay? <laughs> Other than that, it's fine. So then it goes on to uh, the point of the article, which is WNYC is experimenting with this exact concept. It published a new full-length episode of Here's the Thing, uh, is the name of the show, to their podcast feed. It's a 48-minute episode with host Alec Baldwin uh, interviewing Jimmy Fallon. 48 minutes. So, Tom, now, listened, the way that this... Good, that was a good episode, by the way. The way, Well, you <laughs> spend 48 minutes listening, but not on Facebook. Um, you know, I mean, 
they they had the the person who's responsible for this. Her name is Delaney Simmons. She's their social media director. She said the uh, the exper- this experiment is different. You don't have to leave Facebook, fa- leave Facebook to consume it. And the content itself is uploaded directly into a product feature within the Facebook universe. They don't have the ability to upload audio. So what you do is you're uploading essentially as a, 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 um, a video with a static image. So the question is, what does this have to do with anything? Um, I, it turns out I know this Delaney Simmons. I've worked with her before. I worked with her in A&E. She's a smart person. But this is just dumb. Anybody who looks deeply into how Facebook is used knows this is a dumb notion. People are never going to listen to podcasts uh, on their Facebook feed. Um, the best proxy for that, and because podcasts are obviously things that are longer than a few seconds, right? Mm. The best proxy for that would be video. So here's what I did, Tom. I went to a video that I posted to Facebook. This is a minute-long video, not a 48-minute-long video, but a minute-long video. And I'm picking one that got a lot of reach, okay? So this particular video, and this is my video, um, got a reach of 405,000. Would you just say that's a fair amount of reach? That, that's pretty good, Mark. 405,000, okay. Should, we should upload Media Unplugged. Well, <laughs> don't defeat the purpose of my point, Tom. So wait, that's reach, Tom. That's not views. I'm not done, Tom. Okay. So here are the views. 5,000 views, okay? That's 1.3% of the reach. Now, Tom, when I say views, I don't mean all the way to the 60-second mark. (laughs) Do you want to know how many of those views were 30-second views, which means half of the total uh, duration of the video? 1,609, that is 0.4% of the reach, (laughs) got to the halfway point, Tom. And I'm looking at the chart on Facebook Insights, and you can see that the reach starts tanking, the hockey stick begins at about the five-second point. In other <laughs> words, the moment... They don't that see the a page, cat doing something. The, no, no, the <laughs> moment that the page actually downloads, the, the retention starts dropping like a rock. So the idea that anyone would listen to any audio show of any d- duration, and audio, remember, unlike video... You know, I mean, video, you can you could argue that something's going on in the first five seconds. Audio, nothing's going on at all visually. You've got to actually listen to experience the audio. So the idea that people are going to listen to podcasts, um, uh, that Facebook is going to be a platform for podcasts is absurd. It's utterly absurd. Now, that's not to suggest that it isn't a good place to promote podcasts right. or to tease podcasts or to give, here's 30 seconds of a podcast you can hear more here. As a promotional tool. It's awesome. But the idea that, quote, could Facebook be the next big platform for podcasts? The answer is unambiguously no. <laughs> so that's... All right. Well, if you, you couldn't tell... that question. That's, by the way, if you couldn't tell, that was my rant in case us, you couldn't that's tell. That's our second prediction. For yeah, that's my second one. Okay. Here's my rave. <laughs> Are you familiar, Tom, with a platform called Omaze? I've heard of it. Yeah, Omaze, O-M-A-Z-E, is a platform that essentially is like a, a Kickstarter tied in with once-in-a-lifetime experiences tied in with charities. So it's a platform that allows you to bid, essentially, on the chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime prize, and the money that you bid goes to charity, and you get a perk along the way. So you get something for you, something for charity, and you get to be part of this really cool uh, prize. And the prizes are generally fairly creative, and this one just knocked me out. This one is my favorite ever. So here it is. Go ahead. Here's the prize. George Clooney wants to look you in the eyes and tell you how great you are. 
<laughs> in person over lunch. Oh, God, <laughs> this is what it is. Okay, this is great. You and a friend could fly to Los Angeles, meet George for lunch, and let him shower you with compliments for 45 glorious seconds. <laughs> George Clooney has filled many breathtaking roles, but nothing like the one he's going to fill in your life. He's going above and beyond to give you the most specialized, personalized experience possible, complimenting you, not just once, twice, but for specifically 45 <laughs> seconds straight. Oh, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing but you, George, and 45 intoxicating seconds of unwavering eye contact and perfectly chosen words. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> and after those 45 magical seconds of bliss are up, champagne flutes will be waiting for you both to toast to you, of course, <laughs> because you are the most beautiful, smart, adventurous, stylish, kind person in the world, and George wants to tell you about it. <laughs> oh, man. You need to get us on that platform. I mean, we'll, we'll spend all day with someone if they want. We'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> I'm not sure it'll be quite as valuable as George doing it for 45 seconds. That's the <laughs> beauty of being George. And, of course, by entering to win, you support Red, you know, the, the uh, Red's fight for AIDS-free right. generation. So there it is. George will shower you with compliments for 45 seconds for charity. What do you think about that? Well, it's, it's different. <laughs> I think it's awesome. That's that's Media Unplugged for this week. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Please remember please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Village, Net News Check, and the fabulous American Marketing Association. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt, exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asecker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening, and have a great holiday season. <laughs>